Welcome to Support Heroes by Kaizer, the number one source of customer support insights in the world of audio. I'm your host, Sebastian. Each week on the show, we'll be having insightful conversations with customer support professionals from some of the most well-known and exciting companies around the world. If you're looking to forward your career in customer support, this is the place to learn from those who have succeeded in doing exactly that. Our superstar guests are at the ready to provide you the lessons they learned from many years on the front line of customer support. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy yet another episode of Support Heroes by Kaizer. So, Queen, thank you so much for joining me. It's lovely to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Where are you right now? Because you're, you're based in San Francisco, right? But I think you mentioned you're in Florida. Yes, I'm in Florida visiting my family for the holidays. Oh, nice. Because It was Thanksgiving yesterday, was it not? Yes, Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And then we have, of course, well, Christmas coming up next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were just talking before the show started about um, Florida and by Lord, the, the, the alligators. <laughs> we just talking about this enormous one. I don't know if many people have seen it, but there was a video on the internet. And that thing was, it was huge. I was just saying, you know, how can these Floridians just go and play golf next to these enormous alligators and just be chill? It's, it's, it's the craziest thing to me as an Englishman, you know? Well, growing up, we were taught that you do not uh, approach them or chase them or mess with them and they'll leave you alone. And don't feed them either. <laughs> Yeah, don't feed them. <laughs> like they're ducks or something. Someone's just throwing out their leftover turkey and the bloody alligator is a duck. Oh, my Lord. I can't. I just can't even begin. I can't even begin to think about it. The most dangerous thing that's going to happen on a British golf course is if a deer is going to run out and just bump into you, you know? That's only if the deer isn't looking where it's going. Oh, my Lord. I can't even. How's the weather out there? The weather is great. It's mostly hot. Uh, during the day and it gets a little cool at night because it's starting to change you know seasons and weather but it's definitely Mm -hmm. definitely still hot nice warm weather nice nice yeah i'm in the north of england now and it's uh it's a little bit cold i'm not gonna lie but um it's not a problem for me i was born in the cold you know um so queen the way we usually start the show is i have the guests kind of introduce themselves tell myself and the listeners a little bit about themselves and then we kind of get into the rest of the topic so queen who are you where do you come from tell me a little bit about yourself who am I? Okay, my name, well, my birth name, real name is Queen. And I was born and raised in Florida. I reside, however, in the San Francisco Bay Area, California. So a little uh, city called Mountain View. And I've been here for about three years. And my background, I worked in the healthcare, health insurance industry for well, over seven years before I branched off and started my own consulting business, in which I've been doing that for the last uh, five years, focused on customer success, customer support, building those operations for early stage startups. Uh, prior to that, I worked and did some uh, consulting work in the medical healthcare field. So how did you find yourself shifting to customer success and customer support? Because when you were working in healthcare or insurance, you know, before, you know, there's not a clear link. Yeah. So, well, I worked in business operations with medical uh, businesses. So my focus was helping them uh, work, create or manage their operational efficiencies pertaining to their claims, insurance claims, because that's a big effect mm-hmm. in on the impact of whether or not their insurance claims get paid or not. Oftentimes, it's operational issues. So my focus was on business operations. I got into customer success and customer support. I changed that focus. It actually came to me. It was something I didn't pursue. It was something that came to me. Um, I had, I sent out a 
a uh, slide deck of improvements uh, to the company I was using. One of my clients was using, they were a health tech company and my client was using a software tool. And so I, it was the, the service was poor. However, the product was great. And we, their customer success manager, their customer support were, uh, the service was, was, wasn't that good. And my client was on the verge of canceling. However, we liked their tool. So I just, out of the whim, just, you know, looked online, looked at reviews, and it was a lot of um, issues related to the service and um, the turnaround time. There was a, those were the two main things, and I draft up some suggestions that I thought would maybe help improve the company from an operational standpoint and sent it to the founder of the company, the CEO and founder. And he later on hired me not too, too long after that. He uh, just said, I want to meet with you. We need some help. <laughs> so yeah. I ended up, you know, having a meeting with them and it turned into a consulting contract gig. And I worked with them for, for a while and they were actually a repeat client. And that's how I focused on shift the focus to, from, you know, working with healthcare businesses to startups and customer facing teams um, and helping them feel, create their customer success and support operations. Right. So was the startup sort of niche, was that something that kind of resulted just out of your location? Was it something, you know, you just enjoyed working with a smaller team? How did that come about? I like the fact of working with, coming from the healthcare industry is very slow to uh, innovate, is very slow to adapt. So it was, you know, you're, you're doing the same things. You're not open to new ideas where you, however you work with startups, you pretty much can take and do almost what you want in terms of innovation and different processes. And they're more open mm-hmm. to receptive to, to change and technology. And so I right. like that fast paced environment that create, I was, I was able to be more creative and mm-hmm. help um, a little bit more. And I saw that, that pain point that a lot of startups have, because some are great at managing customers and teams. However, building out processes and operational workflows, that organization, organizational structure, they weren't good at. And that's my areas of niche and focus. And so I, I was able to find that. And I mean, a great location too, right? If you're in, um, if you're in California anyway, why not work with all the startups that are there by nature? Yes, yes. California, um, most of my clients were, I worked in with companies in the United States and Canada. So they mm-hmm. all most of the time have been remotely, but generally most of my clients were um, in or are in California or New York, some of the big tech hubs. But since everything is more remotely now, I, you know, would definitely branch out to, you know, any location work with any clients more remote. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, a little bit more about your business? So sort mm-hmm. of like, what's the, the length and breadth of the business? Can you kind of give us the backstory? Yeah. So um, I started in 2015, my focus on customer success and support operations. And um, my focus is helping them build out their operations, either from scratch or developing what's already there. So if a company, right. let's say if a startup is saying, you know, we, we don't have a customer support team or we have a customer support team. It's just not organized. We just have an email. 
or, you know, we have, we need to know how do we set up our software tools uh, for our customer support team? How do we build a great customer support operations? So those are generally the, the pain points or questions that customers will come to me, our clients will come to me, and that is why I help them with. And the first thing that I do is look at what they have now and compare that to their goals and, and build out right. the process to get there. And I help them build their foundation first. And the foundation is or what I call the blueprint is help them map out and outline what their customer support operations, what they want it to be, what type of service do they want to deliver. So we kind of deep dive into some branding operational uh, standpoints before I build out any process or work with them on anything. So it's usually my contracts or on average about three months that I will work with them. Some clients I work with a little bit longer. It depends on mm-hmm. um, how much they need, how much work they need to be done with their mm-hmm. team. But I, I do, my, one thing that's different about my services, it is a done with you and for you. So in addition to the consultation or recommendations, I also do the work alongside the team so you don't have to pull resources to focus and I suppose also mm-hmm. the goal in that sense is to kind of leave them with something so that after your contract comes to an end, you can kind of phase out your involvement, right? Because yes. I, I suppose in an ideal world, you, you don't really want to be heavily, heavily involved for years on years on years. You, you want them to be independent and make their own decisions. Yes, I want them to be self-sufficient. My goal, one of my goals in working with them is to leave them in a better place than where I started. So that is right. building the foundation in which they can scale off of, which they can grow. So if they, for example, if they did not have a customer support operations or fully functioning customer support operations before I started with them, at least when I leave, they'll have everything, they'll have the right processes. Everything is documented, by the way. So any processes that we create for the internal team, the client and I would create for the internal team, it's all that information is documented. And so they have something to scale off of. They have the right software tools in place and they have the right processes in place. So as they grow, it won't be such a pain point or disaster as they grow. It should be a smooth process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So something I'd like to ask perhaps before we get into some more of the details is um, what are some of the misconceptions that you encounter on a regular basis with people building out support and startups? Like, are there certain ideas that people come into that are quite common that, you know, maybe aren't quite on the mark or, you know, what, 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 what does this landscape look like? The common misconception that I run into a lot is companies, uh, mostly startup founders or CEOs thinking that customer support is simply creating a email address in their Gmail account or whatever uh, email provider they're using. And so that's one. And the second is if they, let's say if they installed Intercom and they think that's it. So they said, well, we have our email address and our support at email address and we have Intercom set up, then we have a fully function operations, customer support operations. And then when I start asking the questions is, well, what does customer support mean to you? Do you have, what is, the escal- what is the process for escalations if a customer has a bug? So, and then they're like, oh, well, we'll just deal with those as we come. So it's like, well, your, your customer support operations isn't fully functional operational. So that's the common misconception is that they leave it as we install the software, that's it. <laughs> So it's like, well, you have to do a little bit more than that. It's, it's, you have to deep dive into what type of customer support operations in the processes. So it's more than 
responding to emails and live chats. Well, also, you know, if you're a startup, your mm -hmm. view is on growth, right? Right. And if your view is to grow and to grow as much as possible, as fast as possible, if you don't lay down the foundations, if you don't have the, bl the blueprint, as you said, mm -hmm. um, you're going to encounter issues, right? Mm -hmm. And I suppose even you'll have clients that you build out, you know, a fantastic process, you have a really solid blueprint. And then when mm -hmm. they do start scaling, then even then they encounter uh, mm -hmm. issues, right? So it's like, if this is an issue that isn't addressed, if it's something that isn't built out in a very, very, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a very, very precise and decisive kind of manner, mm -hmm. then it is going to hurt your growth in the long run. And, and customers won't sort of give you the the second, third, fourth chance in that in that situation, right? Right. That's correct. And, uh, you know, when I work with the teams and work with the companies, I foresee a lot of just from years of experience of we kind of go through all the different scenarios of the type of things that might happen. So there's those processes for escalations. How do you handle feedback? How do you handle sales related questions? What is the standard turnaround time for your company? How do you make sure your customer support team are living up to their service, the service level agreement that you have with customers? So all of those things we cover. And if there are any pain points or anything after the fact, I think because they have a good foundation that they will be able to work through it and it wouldn't be anything that would be impactful because we have the standard foundation and framework already built. It's just a matter of, you know, if the volume could be, I see a lot of times once I'm done working with the company and they grow two or three times over and it becomes like, okay, we have a volume, then it's, it might be a staffing issue that they need to address. I think also something intrinsic to this is that I think, and this is something that I think, you know, perhaps people outside of business have a certain different view of people within business. But um, I think having a really solid conceptualization of what it is you're doing and why, you right. know, from the philosophical standpoint to like the pure operational standpoint is so important, right? I think particularly for things like brand, for things like culture, mm -hmm. they're kind of ethereal in a way, you know, you can't really concretely describe them and measure them. And I think with these... Mm -hmm. Of topics, you need to build out your philosophy. You need to conceptualize the ideal situation very precisely in order to have something that you're striving for and not simply just be trying your best. Because right. trying your best will not come up with the the, the 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 optimal result, right? Right. That's correct. And the and the earlier the better building out yes. those foundations. It's never it's I tell clients all the time, it's never too early. It's never too late either, but the earlier the the, the better that you can start building out your foundation for your customer support. Even if you have a hundred customers, it's still, you, you know, you, it's never too early for that because you're thinking about mm -hmm. everything that I do. And when I work with companies, I always do it from the customer point of view, from the customer experience. And it's, and, and it's never just strictly from internal employees. It's how, what's the customer's journey, where their experience, when they interact, how, how, it, how easy will it be for them to get in touch with customer support? Right. Would, you know, are we helping them meet their expectations for turnaround time as well? So, um, you know, do we have a knowledge base help center to support them? But that's sometimes mm -hmm. that's left out too, is that a lot of customers want to be self-sufficient in using products and they want to be able to find the information. So having a really great um, uh, knowledge base help, help center, yes, would help them use a the product. Yes. Quite. And I think, you know, something you mentioned before um, that I want to touch on once again is that this is a branding exercise too, right? You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about support also in the intersection of 
customer experience and customer success. And the way you treat your customers will create your brand in the eyes of those people that you're interacting with, right? Absolutely. And I think that something that isn't very much appreciated is the way that you are forming branding and you are building a brand relationship with each interaction that you have with your customers. And I think for a lot of people, that would be more obvious when designing their website, when building their logo, when designing their slogan. But it is also really, really important to understand how support is interacting with your customers. You know, what's the tone of voice that they want to use, for example? Yes, and that's that's the first thing that I do when I work with the companies. I have a set of questions that uh, I call it the Blueprint Foundation questions, and that we go, oh, I go over with them, and we answer those together. And if it's a lot of times they don't know, and I help guide them into, you know, what it is, because that's one of the most important things that I work with when a when I work with a client is I want them to have some sort of idea of what service standards they want to provide to their customers mm -hmm. rather than, cause you can go in and create all the processes that you want to. However, what is the tone of communication? Like you mentioned of, you know, how you're going to interact and respond to customers that determines your branding. Do you want to be known as a company that has a quick turnaround time? Or do you want to be known as a company that takes, you know, two weeks to respond to customers. So it's, and do you want to be known as a company that has a friendly tone? And that can be used in writing as well as chatting or over the phone. Either way is the tone of voice, the tone, the language used makes a difference. Um, so do you want to be known as a company with a friendlier, you know, upbeat tone? Or do you want to be a company that just, you know, kind of sounds, you know, rude and short in emails. <laughs> so it's, it's really working with those companies to really hash out and determine what type of support. And it has to align with their branding as well. So, yeah. you know, if, if it's an e-commerce company and they're known for fast shipment times, well, they, I think they will want to be known for fast customer response times as well. And also, you know, if a startup is in, say, fintech, you might want the support to be more formal. You might want people to be a yes. little bit more business and professional, a little bit, you know, that could be construed as standoffish if you were in a different, um, a different uh, industry. Right? Yes, that's absolutely um, but it correct. It might be more appropriate in some, in some instances. Yeah. Um, something else that I wanted to touch on before we get into um, the fun, the fun part that we <laughs> spoke about uh, before um, is a little bit on how does one sort of systemize uh, the support process? Like, you spoke to me a little bit before we started recording about workflows and processes. I'm mm -hmm. sure we'll touch on later. Um, but can you just build that out a little bit before we get into the next part of the show? Yeah, so the, the, the systemizing the processes, I start with where they're at right now. So the foundation and getting all the questions, and I have a list of questions, and I, they are all in my, my ebook. And I start with those questions first and to build that foundation for the company. And then next we figure out what they have. So the next step would be to see where they're at right now. Do they need a software tool? What processes do they currently have in place? And then I compare that to their goals. So a part of that building that foundation is we determine what the end result of the goal would be for me to work with them. So the end result could be to fully build out their operations, or maybe the end result could be to improve their customer support 
um, the customer satisfaction. Maybe they already have some sort of customer support operations in place. They just need, you know, to increase their, um, improve their customer satisfaction scores. So we look at what is the goals and then I build out the steps in which for me to help them get there. So that is the process of what do they need? Do they need a you know, fully operational customer support. So is that finding the right software tools? And a part of building out that foundation in the blueprint is will help them know which customer support software tool would be best for them as well. And how um, do you go about that? So the questions, for example, if they need a ticketing system, not all customer support software tools have ticketing. And oh, the ticketing, know. so the ticketing is the, ne the next step. So that is like the triage of the customer is sends a uh, message to customer support and they're saying, hey, I have a bug or I'm unable to close, you know, my window, something wrong within the software tool. And if that customer support person is unable to troubleshoot with them and resolve the issue, then the escalation process would be to what team. So I help them figure out that that process of, okay, who does it go to? Does it go to your engineering team or does it go to a specific person? And how will that person be notified? And then right. that's what you call creating those tickets in which the engineering team will need some sort of uh, trackable tickets with the customer information, maybe some a little bit more information, video screenshots, and then send that to the engineering team. And then once the engineering team, um, you know, fixes it, or maybe it's some other deeper, uh, deeper dive into the issue, then do, will they circle back up with the customer or will they go back to the customer support rep for them to follow back up with the customer? So those are all mm. of the processes that I map out and build for with my clients. And it's a, um, it's, it's very detailed from a high level. It's building out those processes, but deep down you have to figure out what software tools will have those ticketing systems, what software tools will allow you to tag or send something to an engineer. Some of the uh, customer support focused software tools are just for live chats and emails, just for response. So you, and so you have to kind of figure out what you need and, you know, work with the client and see what do they need because that helps in determining what software tool to use. Right. And you're not going to be giving Salesforce to a tiny startup with 10 people that have 100 customers, right? Right. Because that'd <laughs> like, be more expensive too. So whatever's mm -hmm, cost efficient mm -hmm. for them, what's their, I, I always look at what's their budget and what mm -hmm. do they need. And, and that's so, a challenge, right? Yeah. Doing a lot with little budget. Yeah. So it's in, and I always suggest to people if they, the first thing is to invest in budgeting software tools. I'm sorry, invest in software tools for your customer facing teams. So that way they can have everything they need. Just email alone. It may be good when you have 50 customers, 25, but once you start growing fast, you need those right software tools in place to help you build out those processes and workflows. Yeah, I think everyone's been in that situation where you've got a small group of people that you're mm -hmm. trying to organize something and then something unexpected happens that just kind of throws you, you know, completely a 180. Um, and it's kind of hard to recover when you're in that situation, right? I mean, even mm -hmm. just on the last episode, um, I spoke to Oleg Krasnov, uh, who's from Miro. Mm -hmm. And uh, Miro saw an insane increase in their user base, right? And even with all the teams and all of the workflows and processes that they have in place at Miro, it was still an insane challenge to overcome. To give you an idea of the growth, um, particularly for their education licenses, they were receiving 100, 100 requests a month. And then they started receiving 2,000 to 2,500 requests mm -hmm. a week. Mm -hmm. 
wow, that's massive, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's like scary, you know, it's just scary to think about that. And, you know, we've all heard of these crazy meteoric rises of these uh, startup organizations. And I think that's really where your comment on you can't stir early enough um, really rings true, right? Because okay. you, it's almost impossible to properly project one's growth when you do hit that kind of that 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 Goldilocks zone, that that miracle, that miracle run in a way. Right. And 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 you're better prepared if you had at least a good foundation in place early on. And once you hit that growth number, such as, you know, what Mira has, then you would be somewhat a little bit better prepared to handle that massive volume. So, and when you have a large volume like that, so the first thing you need to have is the process and workflows in place already to be able to accommodate and adjust to that workflows and then the staffing and then train staff too. So if you have those processes and everything is documented, it's easy when you're hiring customer support reps to come in and it's easier to train them and onboard them when you have everything in place versus when you don't have anything in place and then you're hiring people and then they have to figure out as they go, it then becomes a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> so <right. yeah>. <laughs> oh, It makes me nervous like, just thinking about it, honestly. But, you know, it's interesting that you bring in the hiring point too, because when a lot of people think about support, I think that they don't necessarily understand, and, you know, I don't blame anyone for this, but, you know, one can't really understand from the outside what is really what really makes a support agent great you know what are the traits mm -hmm. the character traits that one would need to be a fantastic agent um and i think it takes someone like yourself or someone like the experts that i've spoken to on the show to kind of translate some of these insights because it's a very unique role within a company and you need a unique set of skills to quote uh, uh liam neeson <laughs> <laughs> um so I think uh, we've spoken a lot about sort of in the abstract. So what I wanted to do in the next part of the show um, is kind of put ourselves in a situation where I am a startup founder and we're having that first meeting, right? And we're going through the blueprint questions and the ebook that you mentioned um, just to kind of ground the conversation and really try and put ourselves in um, in the real world and, and kind of go through the things that you would kind of talk talk me through if I were a startup founder. So just to give um, you and the listeners a little bit of background of the situation so we know where we are. So let's say we're in Silicon Valley. I am the startup founder. I have a pure software background. I'm a complete novice in customer success and customer support, right? We're having our first meeting. We sit down. I'm running a startup. We have, say, you know, 500 customers, but we're growing fast. At Right now, I don't have any support staff. I have sales, I have engineering, I'm the CEO, we're all taking tickets and trying to work it out together. Let's even go as far to say we don't have a CRM, we're just using Gmail. It's the exact situation that you gave us before. It's like I have support at gmail.com, you know, like, and, and we're just trying to figure it out as we go. Um, we sit down, what are some of the first things that you say to me? I love this role play. I love this setup scenario. So the first thing that I would do is we'll go over the blueprint questions. So I will ask right. you in just a couple of questions as an example, I will ask you, what does customer support mean to you? Well, customer support means to me that there's a mistake that me and the software guys have made a mistake <laughs> and that they're showing me the mistake and that I need to help them out. So I need to sort of solve the customer's problem to make them happy and so they can continue using our product and they can be a happy customer. But I also need to fix what, you know, our essentially. Right. Okay. And that's great. And then the, another point of, or question I would ask is what are your goals for your customer support team in the next, let's say six months or a year? And that could be 
maybe answer, you know, the goals would be based on, do you want to respond to customers quicker? Do you want to improve your customer satisfaction scores? Do you want to improve, you know, how you're, how you're responding to them instead of, you know, are you helpful to your customers where you respond? So I will ask you, what are some of your goals? And it's okay if you don't know it, we can, I will walk with you to, you know, to help you figure out what would be your goals. Well, we're not actually measuring customer satisfaction, so I can't really tell you what that would be. But I think the main thing that we want to do is decrease the amount of time that we take to respond to the request because mm -hmm. we're figuring it out amongst the team. Um, I'm taking them on or like my team is taking them on wherever appropriate, but we just can't seem to keep up with the volume. And when we do reply, I think we do give good replies. We apologize for the fact that it took a long time if it mm -hmm. did take a long time. And more often than not, we can solve the issues. But I really just want to improve the way that we interact with the customers and we can get it on a regular basis, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I want to satisfy the customers on a regular basis and really meet their expectations. And that's great because you gave me your pain points and problem areas. So that's great for me. That's another question. Um, another question I want to ask is what kind of support will you offer? What are your support options? There are different ways in which customers or you can interact with customers is email, live chat, text, phone, social media. Well, we have email and live chat right now, but mm -hmm. I could kind of, I kind of want to shoot that question back to you. What do you think would be appropriate for us? Like, is it worth us investing into phones? Like, should we push out to social media? What, what would you think is the landscape here? What, what would you recommend? How many customers do you have currently? 500. Okay. Currently, I think email and chat, live chat mm -hmm. would be sufficient for you at, at this point and this current growth. Um, are you active on social media? Do customers reach out to you on Facebook or Twitter? No. Okay. Okay. So if they did, then that would impact what tools we use because some tools have integrations with social media right. as well. So right Understood. now, like email and live chat, it seems like that would be something you would need right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've had one or two situations where we needed to call someone back because they had some very specific technical issues, but those mm -hmm. were some edge cases for now at least. Okay. Do you think it's worth building out the infrastructure for phones just to deal with those edge cases? What would you say for that? We've only, we've literally had only two calls. Well, if you're following, if those calls were just following up to customers for letting them know you already have prior written communication, you just a follow up, exactly. that's more of a choice that you're choosing. Mm -hmm. However, will that be a part of your customer's support options? If it's well, not, then we don't need to worry about it. For now, perhaps it's best if we focus on the email then. Right. Because with the way that we're growing, if those edge cases were to grow tenfold, I think we could still just, you know, follow up whenever it's necessary. Okay. And with phone options, it's a little bit more, you have to have somebody man the phone lines that right. want to be, you know, if you're open from nine to five, you have to have somebody available to answer the phone from nine to five. So that is a little bit more, if you, if you're ready to get to that point to offer phone service, that's something that, that will require a little bit more in terms of the processes because you have to hire or have to have a staff to be able to be available to your customers. Whereas email, you can maybe go off and do other things. And as soon as you get an email, you can respond back. Whereas phone, you right. always have to be available and on. Right. Yeah, no, I think that I think you're right. I don't think we want to move into that right now. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, when it's appropriate, I hand it off to the engineering team or, or myself mm -hmm. would call the customer. But no, I think you're right. I think phone might be too much for right now. So what would be kind of our next steps? I, I don't mm -hmm. actually have any dedicated support staff right now. We don't have a CRM. Mm -hmm. um, can you kind of help me navigate that? 
So once we finish all of the blueprint questions, so the next thing is we would map out a plan of action. So we would go over a plan of action of where you are at right now and what your goals are and then the steps for us to get there. So the next thing we do, once we have that, all the blueprint, so the second phase would be to go ahead and look for the proper software tools that will be mm -hmm. able to support you. So before I start building out any processes with any clients, I always look for the software tool first because the software tools are a part of your processes that you have, or they will at least help you work through those flows. So Understood. the second thing is what we do is look for the customer support software tools based on the blueprint questions. So all the questions that we ask, that I ask you, and then we come up with what are your goals and what do you need in this moment? We go and find the software tools to support that to get you out of Gmail <laughs> because in uh -huh. Gmail, you're very limited in, in terms of what you can do. You can only respond to customers. You can't tag anything. You can't right. have any canned responses. So we will look for the software tools. So that's phase two. And okay. once we find the software tools that let's say we, in this example, let's say we do intercom. So if you said, okay, mm -hmm. intercom is affordable. It has everything that we need in this moment. Now it can change next year or two years from now. So but in okay. this moment, intercom is, it will be best for what our goals are. So we would once we go and purchase the uh, intercom, then we work. The next phase is setting up everything. Right. So this is the customization. So you're customizing the software tool to fit your needs based on all the things that we created in the questions you answered in the blueprint. So this is where we start creating those processes, both in okay. the software tool and then also for your team too. So you, 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 there's two sets of processes here. There's processes and workflows within the software tool itself. And then there's processes for how your team, the standard for your team, that's, for example, what is the turnaround time for for enterprise customers. It might be 24 okay. hours. So we, that's something that we, that's a standard for your team. And we mm -hmm. need to make sure that it's processed for your team that's documented. So that way when you have new employees or when you hire someone, they will know. And then also build that out in your um, customer support operations tool. So we will start with the customization and that includes building out your knowledge-based help center. So creating mm -hmm. articles to support your customers so they can utilize your product. And the articles are filled with FAQs, best practice tips, and how to. Right, yeah, because we're finding that a lot of our requests are actually mm -hmm. similar, right? The, yes. You know, certain people are encountering certain parts of our product perhaps that aren't super smooth. But I think, you know, if we could create a place where customers can go and educate themselves, we could sort of circumvent a lot of the customer issues that we're having to respond to. Right. And once you get that knowledge base help center up, it will reduce or it should reduce the volume that you have of customers coming in, especially if, you know, if you analyze, that's one of the things to do I will do in that first phase is analyze what you already have. So see what's coming in. What are some of the questions you're getting or what are some of the messages? And then mm -hmm. it, the, the knowledge base help center would help the customers because they will have, you know, that, that extra support there, that guidance from the, the knowledge base help center. Another thing, too, is that we can implement something called a, uh, a chat bot that will, if a customer, let's say they click on the chat bot icon, that's part of the setting up. And this is something that Intercom has. They click on the bubble. They'll be, they, can ha they have an option to search the Knowledge Base Help Center for their question. So let's say if they were, instead of reaching out to support right away, they can search for the question. Maybe the question is, how do I add a payment method? 
or how do I update mm-hmm. my payment method, right? Or right. once they search that, they'll be able to pull up that article, click on it, and be taken to that article. And there they'll have the information of how to update their uh, payment method. So, well, that's great because then yeah. we don't have to build the page ourselves. Well, you the, the information is in your Knowledge Base Help Center. So mm-hmm. the yeah, mm-hmm. so the intercom, the way intercom is set up is they have the chat and then they have you have an option if you want to create a knowledge base help center. So if a customer clicks on the chat bubble and you can have them connected. So if they search for a question, it will pull up the articles that are in the knowledge base help center. Okay. Understood. Yes. So I didn't really think about the the knowledge center so much about, you know, as part of support, but now I really think about it because we're getting so many tickets in that are kind of similar. If we create the, the, the help center in a certain way, that's actually sort of more important really than the way we actually build out our sort of interactions with our customers, right? Because then so many of the tickets that we're actually responding to won't even come in in the first place. Exactly true. Yeah, some of the, you probably, most of your customers will come to your knowledge base help center and you'll be able to track the volume, what customers are looking at. If an article helped them or if they, you know, rated it bad, you know, you will have all of that data to look at to see or our customers use our knowledge base help center and you will be able to see the volume decrease too. And, mm. you know, from there. So the knowledge base help center is the fir- one of the first things I do with clients. When we find the right software tools, we find something that has a knowledge base help center option. If you don't already have your own, there might be some, some cases where some companies might have their own standalone page of knowledge base help center, or they're using a separate, you know, separate tool such as Notion, right. Notion, for example. However, if they need a knowledge base help center, we definitely look at the tools. And in your case, you do need a knowledge base help center. So yeah, we, I think you do. Yeah. So intercom would be the tool that we use. And the first thing I would do is build out your knowledge base help center before we do any processes. We will create right. the articles. And it's okay if you don't have, you know, if you can want to start with 10 articles, we'll figure out what are the questions that the common ones to put up first. What are the, you know, the troubleshooting articles, the FAQs, those type of things we will do first of what are the most, you know, we think what customers will ask the most, or at least, you know, look at your volume or the inquiries that you got already to see what are customers action and asking and make sure we get that on there first. Cause you can always continuously build out your knowledge base help center. You, that's a continuous job. It will never get finished. <laughs> so yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, so you want to have a good foundation, absolutely, with your Knowledge Base Help Center. So once we get a good um, number of articles in your Knowledge Base Help Center, the next thing we will do is build out, now we're ready to fully set up your software. So now we're ready to fully set up Intercom to create those processes and workflows. So we look at all the questions, all the things that we did in the first phase, which is the blueprint foundations, the questions that we, you know, I asked and we came up with the answers is now we're ready to build our processes based on that, such as what is the turnaround time? How do you handle enterprise customers or customers maybe with a um, a shorter or quicker response times in our service level contract agreement? So those are the things that we build out in setting up a software tool, including your chatbots. 
So the chatbots that automatically, you know, com- com- conversate with customers back and forth for mm-hmm. FAQ or type questions. And then how do we handle the chat routing? So if the chatbot was unsuccessful in helping that customer, now it needs to go to a live person. So this is where we deep dive and set up the actual customer support software tool. In this case, we're using Intercom. We will set that up according to your business needs, according to all of the questions and the processes. That's where we start creating everything. That sounds great. That sounds really good. So I think that with the stage that we're at now, I think that building out the the, the help center will be really, really effective in cutting down our tickets. But mm-hmm. I am really expecting our growth to really start picking up in uh, the next few quarters. Um, so what I'm thinking is, what are sort of some hiring best practices with kind of getting our first support staff? Um, should I prioritize someone who could be... Uh, writing the actual articles themselves? Should I prioritize someone who is very communicative, but not particularly technical? Should I get someone who's very technical, maybe even pull one of my engineers and kind of dedicate half of their time to responding to tickets? What do you think is best uh, in this situation? Well, the the hiring of your staff depends on, in terms of the skill set needed, depends on your actual product itself. So that's one of the things that we go over in the blueprint is the job responsibilities of your customer support reps and the type of customer support reps that you would need to hire. For example, if your product is more of a heavy technical or your audience is uh, very, you know, engineers or heavy technical, then in that case, you probably want to hire a technical support rep. Someone mm-hmm. with more technical experience or have a better understand that will better have a better understanding of your product and your customers as well. Right. I, I think they maybe then it would be easier for me to take one of my engineers and just kind of ask if they can dedicate half of their time to re- responding to the customers and then maybe dedicate more of my time to building up the, the help center and, and taking on more of the communication. Maybe my sales reps can also do a little bit of that too. Yes. And, you know, if, if I will help you in, you know, and do the work with you alongside you in building out the processes and setting up your customer support software tool to take some of the resources and, you know, take this off of your plate so that way you can still focus on your business and the things that you need to do. However, if you wanted to only keep it internally, you might feel like you and your team can handle based on the support volume that you have right now and you are, for whatever reason, aren't ready to hire a customer support rep yet, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. You still can build out everything. You still create, you know, the processes. However, we just can, you know, the internal team would be the customer support um, team as well. So when you are ready to hire, then you have that at least foundation. You want someone who has some technical knowledge. You want someone who has experience working in a startup role where they're still in that building creating process because even Mm -hmm. though we've got the foundation, we will have the foundation built for you, you will still want somebody that's still going to add to your knowledge-based help center. So it'd be helpful if they know how to write articles and, um, you know, things of that nature. Without a doubt. No, I I really appreciate the structure, Queen. And I really now see that the kind of the steps that we need to take in order to really take control of the support. Um, Is there anything else sort of that we haven't really touched on that you think is an important part of the process for me to understand at this stage before we kind of move into the next, uh, the next phase of our relationship? Yeah. So after, I think that's everything. Once you set up the software tool and then after the next phase, after that software setup is 
um, testing it to see, you know, the workflows and make sure everything is where we want it to be. Because sometimes you can think of a process and then to the customer, it might be two extra steps for them, but really we want it to be one step. So we test everything first before it actually goes live. And then once we get everything, we feel like it's in a really good place to go live, then the product is go live on your website. The intercom chat bubble is on your website and customers can, will now interact with your, your support system. Amazing. So then I remember before we had the meeting, you mentioned to me that generally speaking, you have a three month consulting contract. Do Mm -hmm. you think that's kind of enough time? If we, if we kind of hit the ground running and I get everything started next week, um, do you think that three month period is kind of enough for us to evaluate and kind of set the tone that I know what's going on at the end of our, uh, the three months? Yeah. So the average is my average contract length is three months. However, if the, let's say we finish before three months, then you know, obviously it could be maybe a two month contract gig, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, and you only pay for just those two months. Right. So, and if there's, let's say three months and we still need some other work that we need to do, then, you know, we can determine if you wanted to extend the contract or, you know, to extend it out to another month to make sure that we have everything to, you know, everything, because once, once I start working with a client, I have a list of things that I need to do as part of, you know, and you will be able to keep track of that and have that project. I have a, you know, project management tool that I use, or if you use one internally, we would use that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's everything in phases of what I do with a client when I'm working with you, it, everything is written down in phases. So we both know where we're at at any given time. Oh, that's great. No, I, I'm a avid note taker. So that's, that's music to my ears. Yes. <laughs> well, Queen, thank you very much. This made me feel so much better. Uh, I, I definitely feel as though I'm in safe hands. Um, I'll contact you back very, very soon. I'll talk to my team, but I'm sure that we'll be working together very soon. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Look forward to working with you. Hey, okay. Now we're back to normal, everyone. Um, <laughs> I tried to dumb myself down. Was I too dumb? I don't know. No, you did excellent. And I think sometimes I was hopping out of character. I'm like, are we still in character? So, oh, okay. <laughs> so play. No, you did absolutely great because those are, you know, in no, it's not, it's not dumbing down. It's unaware, right? So it's, yes. it's, yes, sorry. yeah, it's, um, it's unaware and in, it's, it's okay to be unaware because this isn't, this is maybe not your niche, right? So you maybe know how to build a product or a business. And my zone of genius is business operations and processes. So that's why I'm here to help you with that. No, I I completely agree. It was a poor choice of words for sure. I think the, the, the reason being is that Mm -hmm. I think I've spent so much time talking and thinking about support now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like difficult for me to roll my brain back. The other thing too, that I've been thinking is that, you know, I've been avidly following uh, business and economics for, for a lot of my life. And as a result of doing this show and, and coming onto Kaizo, mm-hmm. um, my awareness of customer support and customer success and customer experience has just been up to the ninth degree. And now, you know, it's interesting because my whole thinking and approach to business has been completely changed by the knowledge and the experiences that I've had thus far. Yes. And it's, you know, and me working with different clients over the years is and and finding this niche and a focus and and the pain points is that um, a lot of people lack the proper knowledge for structure and organization when it comes to internal operations and processes and procedures. And it's, I think it's a, to me, I I approach it's like, it's, it's exciting to me, the messier, or if someone (laughs) is, doesn't have anything, those are really good challenges for me because it's fun. Whereas some people might find it like, Oh my God, you know, 
uh, you know, they hate it, but I, I absolutely love it. It's like putting the puzzle together. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. I mean, because the thing is, too, is that the more chaos is in the startup, it's almost a good sign because they've obviously grown really quickly and they've obviously got something going on, you know, and that is an exciting place to be. I I feel the exact same way in Honestly Clean. Like when I was looking to to start my career, um, I very much tended more towards like smaller companies, startups, because I think the environment kind of lights a fire under your belly, right? Yes. Yes, and it gives you something. It's it's totally. I, I'm a creator and builder. So once I yeah, learned that about too. myself, it was easy for me to to be good at my work and to to love what I do because it fits into who I am. If I had to sit and do a job where there was routine all the time mm-hmm. and I didn't have an option to create or build. So if you're working, let's say these companies that's been around for 20 years, well, everything is already in place. You're just coming there and following a routine job description. It would be so boring to me. <laughs> so. I think it's said for like steering a massive ship, you know, because yes. I think the, the, the analogy that I would give is it's like, you know, if you're on a speedboat, right, you're going very fast and you'll be jumping above the waves. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a boat that's fast moving, but it jumps up and down very rapidly, mm-hmm. right? because you're going very fast and you're hitting these little waves and it's it could be kind of like jolting but then you're on a, a cruise ship or a cargo ship in the middle of the atlantic and you have enormous peaks and troughs right mm-hmm. the ground is like tilting left and right and it's an equally kind of unique um environment but it's just very very different you know like the speedboat to the giant ship in the middle of the atlantic like both of it is completely alien to anyone who spent a lot of time on land but you know um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that one is necessarily like more or less scary or more or less exciting, you know, because mm-hmm. when when the, the floor is literally going from 30 degrees in one direction to 30 degrees in the other direction, it is the most crazy thing. And then if you're on a speedboat at the same time, you're getting thrown all over the place. And that's equally crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's picking it. You have a little bit more room to when you can help a company, uh, especially. That's why I only focus on working with startups. Right. Um, yeah. So if it's a you know larger company, I, I generally are. I have worked. I did a contract with a larger company. It wasn't as exciting because they mm-hmm. were more um, stringent in their processes. They weren't really too. They're less malleable. Yeah, and it, it, it. So I said, okay, no, I, I'll just stick with startups and smaller companies. Right. <laughs> so. No, that definitely makes sense. And I mean, you can build a more of a relationship, right, with the with the founder and the team, and kind yes. of make more of an impact on them. I, I suppose also it's very satisfying to you to have to think that you have kind of a long lasting impression on the companies that you work with, right? That must be very nice. Yes, when they come to me and say, you know what, Queen, thank you for helping us organize. That's one of the things is, you know, thank you for helping us organize and create a streamlined system that yes. that helped our team or you know helped us when we raised around or helped us when we grew this much we had a good foundation in place and that really helped so thank you so that is my satisfaction in knowing that i left the company i you know once my work is done is they were in a different they're in a different place than when i started with them so i that is that's what's satisfying to me if if i can help someone really um structure their business operations because that's a part of growth a lot of you know that's missed a lot too is that the structure and organization is needed in order to grow and if you don't have that then your business is a disaster even if it's online customers can tell if you're organized they can tell if you have poor customers like they can that is something they can sense that and they know that so it, it makes a difference to when you can 
respond to customers, you can help them, you can have a wonderful customer support team. And they're happy because customer support reps love structure and organization. Yeah. They love it makes process. Their life easier. Absolutely, because it makes their work a lot easier. So mm-hmm. if you can have that for them and and, and it's customer support operations is ever growing. So it's never to a point where if I'm, you know, once I'm start, you know, my contract is ended with a company, I've worked, you know, done the work, you know, with them. It's never ending. It's, but they have a good foundation in which they can build off of. So it continue to grow from that. It's never, it's a never ending process because you're always going to continue to optimize as you grow your business and things and and needs will change as well. The thing also I wanted to hit on was that structure actually promotes freedom and creativity. I think this is a very common misconception in life because structure frees up your mental space so that you don't constantly have to react. Because if if you're structuring what you're doing, you're learning from that which you've done before and ensuring that which you do in the future kind of makes the most of the experiences that you had in the past, right? And I think that if you have structure, it gives you the like I say, the, the, the headspace and even the, the confidence and the time to be free and be creative. Yes. And you can be creative with customers and creative in your business, creative in your job role too, even as a customer support rep, they might think of a new way to, you know, to make, you know, delight customers, to make them happy to, uh, right. so, and they might have more time to spend with customers and not really, you know, I, I really um, am against uh, at least, I'm against companies that saying these quota things where customer support, you have to respond to every customer within 24, you have to close tickets within 24 hours. And then it should be responding to customers or it would be best if it's responding to customers rather than closing tickets, because then the quality of the work is more of a quantity now. It's like, how many people can I respond, whether if I help them or not, I just want to focus on closing this ticket. Yes. And I think sort of that, tunnel vision mentality mm-hmm. is something that I touched on in a previous episode uh, with Jan uh, Brenke mm-hmm. from Alexo. Jan, I really, really hope I pronounced your last name wrong. I'm so sorry if I didn't. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we just dug into like analytics and metrics, right? And, and, and the notion that, you know, in a lot of situations, people in customer support kind of focus too much on singular metrics. It's all about building these multiple statistics in order to create like a coherent vision of what's actually going on. Um, and I think too often people kind of put constraints trying to motivate uh, support staff or trying to give them a goal that they can achieve, but they actually kind of put the signpost or put the goals in the wrong the wrong end of the pitch or in the wrong place. Right. Yes. You definitely need the metrics, the data, and then given that customer or that customer support rep, you know, what is their what is their goal? And if their goal is just to close customer support tickets fast, that's that's really, you know, is that, a, is that really what you want? Yeah, is that a beneficial right. to, is, what, does that create a good customer experience? Let's you yeah, know, exactly. ask that question. If you say, you know, oh, we don't know or no, then it's not a great goal. And most of the time that creates a horrible customer experience because you're focusing on quantity over quality. Agreed. No, you should definitely listen mm-hmm. to the to Jan's episode because we, we really dug into it and it was really, really interesting. Jan's a great guy too. Super interesting. So eloquent, very intelligent. Um, Yeah, you should definitely check it out. I definitely um, will. We're coming, we're coming somewhat to the end of the show now, Queen. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say to me or, or to the listeners, something you'd like to leave us off with? I think we covered 
covered um, a, a lot of, of great uh, topics area and everything that we, and if people wanted the blueprint questions or anything, they can go to my website, customersuccessqueen.com to get the ebook guide that will help you build your customer support operation from scratch. So all the things that the phases and the scenarios we went through today is in that um, ebook guide. That's a great name for a, for a, a website bureau, by the way. It's, it's really, really Thank solid. Thank you. <laughs> and you have a really nice community on LinkedIn too. I, I checked it out a little while ago. I really enjoyed uh, seeing what you were posting and things like that. So um, yeah, Queen, thank you so much for joining me. It was a real pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed your company. And um, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. All right, you too. Thank you to you and your audience. Appreciate it. Bye guys. Bye. This podcast is made possible by Kaizo. Kaizo is a performance management platform that helps customer support teams be more productive and engaged. If you're a Zendesk user, go to kaizo.com and book a demo today.